Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The reason I think this is such a case-by-case basis rather than a broad all-cancel culture must be something that is stopped or something that we realize is serious is because there are instances in which I think people, and they don't have to be massive public figures, we can move on to the next, but they do make Mm -hmm. comments that in their own way can infringe on others freedom of speech like it also silences other people to to put yourself out there and be uh, to, to espouse hate speech to, to to dox people to make things dangerous for other individuals to do threats right like I, I think there has to be some some way of saying that there there are examples where this is okay and there are examples where this is obviously absurd Um, but yeah, before we start, I just want to ask, how, how are you feeling? Are, are you rested? I know you were back from that Charlie Kirk debate a while ago uh, before it took place. Yeah, yeah. The, um, I mean, the actual debate was like October 1st, which is kind of crazy because, you know, like I, uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess, I guess it would have almost been better if, if I hadn't like said anything publicly about doing it until much later because, uh, you know, from October 1st to uh, when we could finally play it on the 25th, that's like 10,000 years of internet time. Um, but uh, the the deal was they got it first to run like the first hour of it as an episode of uh, Debate Night with Charlie Kirk. The, uh, and then we would yep. get it after that in the next GTA episode after it was the 25th. And then also Town Circle, where the people who set it up in the first place could uh, could play it then. So, you know, been been back for a while, but I'm excited that it's out in the world now. Yeah. All right. So we're definitely going to talk about it in uh, a little bit. But I guess we should start by having a uh, very good faith and friendly debate on cancel culture. <laughs> That I almost feel like you and me have been putting off for uh, a really long time because we kind of do this thing where I have uh, but the utmost respect for you and uh, I uh, there's times when you'll you know say or tweet things out online where I'm just like, uh, you know, for the benefit of everyone, I'm not going to participate in the discourse and I'm going to let that go by. And I know you said the exact same thing uh, to me in the uh, in the same time, right, that, you know, there's times when I put takes out there where you're like, I definitely fundamentally disagree with what you're saying, Lance. But, uh, you know, rather than just start an online war for everyone else to watch, uh, I'm just going to stay on the side, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's do it now. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll start. I hate sure. you. You're horrible. Yeah, <laughs> bye. Nice. All right. We got our trailer, everybody. <laughs> Okay, how about how about I, how about I start with this? This is probably the easiest place to start with. Yeah. I was going to knock out some of the things where I think we just fundamentally agree, so we don't waste time. Because cancel culture is such a broad topic or such a broad subject, um, I, I think it's fair to say that you and me probably agree that the way that right wingers describe it as uh, is not something that we see as a, a fundamental problem 
uh, in that, say, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Dr. Seuss as a private corporation has decided to stop publishing their own books on their own accord, and then the, the right-wing outrage machine says, well, that's because they're being cancelled and we have to buy every Dr. Seuss book, or Mr. Potato Head as a private company deciding to change their name to Potato Head, and not even because it has something to do with trying to be part of the social justice scene, but because it's easier to sell a toy that doesn't have any uh, gender, and then you have all the, the gender bits associated with, and that's you know them being cancelled as well, like I'm pretty sure we're on the same page with with conservative cancel culture, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Some of those controversies that you just mentioned, uh, I, I don't really know enough to comment about because they sounded incredibly stupid. So I never really looked into them. Um, but I mean, I, I I do think that there's a general thing that's happened since like I'm not even sure exactly uh, mid 2020 sometime uh, where. You know, I think the I think like really specifically the American like Republican Party must have run a bunch of polls showing that like talking about cancel culture pulled really well for them. And so everything became canceling or cancel culture, uh, even things like whatever was going on with Mr. Potato Head or, you know, that like really have absolutely nothing to do with what everybody more or less seemed to mean by it, like even in. 2019 uh you know time moves quickly enough that it's kind of hard to remember this but like in 2019 you know there was there was a month where we all spent six years arguing about that letter to harper's and uh in that letter all the discourse about that that was all about like denouncing people and trying to get people fired you know which like whatever you think about that none of that really has anything to do with these like weird controversies about you know like corporate branding and products and you know like like all of that just seems like a completely separate issue to me okay good so the cancel culture then i guess that we disagree on and then the one that you spoke about both in your book and in uh you know multiple jacobin lectures is uh the idea that online there's vast uh uh, members of the left, because you do specifically want to talk about this in regards to leftists, right? You're, you're not attacking this uh, from a liberal perspective. So, or... so yeah, so I mean, I think I want to say two things. One of which is actually something I really do emphasize, uh, especially in the uh, the main thing I wrote about this for Jacobin, which is an article called So You're Still Being Publicly Shamed, is that this is not by any means uh, exclusive to the left. I think these are like way broader trends and you can absolutely find examples that have nothing to do with uh, the left or even liberals. Uh, So um, this John Ronson book, which I think like if, if people were going to read one thing about this, this is what I'd recommend. Uh, It's called, so you're being public. So you've been publicly shamed uh, from 2015 and uh, it was kind of before the term had been coined. In fact, I don't think people were even saying call-out culture yet, which was sort of the predecessor to cancel culture as terminology. And in some ways was probably better because um, I think using this language of canceling introduces all these weird side issues that like make it really frustrating, make it easy to talk past each other. Like, what does being canceled mean? You know, do you have to be fired? Does your career have to be ruined? You know, like, uh, and and it, it's, I, I find all that really unhelpful uh, for reasons we can get into. But so that's one thing, right? That I think it's, I think some of the best examples in the John Ronson book uh, are are not at all about, about the left. Like uh, he talks about this girl, Lindsay Stone, who, 
uh, worked for a group called Life that you know works with adults with learning disabilities, uh, and you know basically she this is like 2012 or something she uh, uh, she and her uh, her friend Jamie uh, would would take sort of irreverent pictures of each other oftentimes on their off hours had nothing to do with doing their jobs. They both seem to be good at doing their jobs, but like they'd, you know, be stuff like one of them would be smoking in front of a non-smoking sign, shit like that. And uh, one of them was at Arlington National Cemetery and it was in front of the sign that says silence and respect. And Jamie takes a picture of Lindsay kind of going like, you know, pretending like she's yelling at, at in front of the silence and respect sign, which, you know, whatever, you know, you can think it's a you know, funny joke. You can think it's a bad taste, but like surely not a big deal. And uh, and this this resulted in something that I think is like textbook canceling, which is uh, that, you know, it, it sort of probably she wasn't careful enough about her privacy settings. It went viral. Uh, there were there was like a Facebook group, uh, you know, called uh, Fire Lindsay Stone that had like 10,000 members. She was fired. Uh, she, uh, you know, she spent, you know, she spent a lot of time. Like in the, you know, it took like a year to find a new job. She, you know, she she was wasn't really sleeping. She'd have trouble, you know. She wouldn't go out on dates because she was worried the guys would Google her. They'd, they'd see this. Uh, and and one of the things I actually find really striking about this example is that if you look at the messages that were exchanged at that like fire Lindsay Stone Facebook groups, it reminds me of nothing so much as the way that even in the middle of sort of pylons, people will always say, oh, don't worry, nobody's really canceled, you know. Lindsay will be fine, right? Don't turn her into a martyr. So so that's one thing. I think that I think that this stuff, to my mind, is kind of a product of this sort of high-tech neoliberal hellscape where um, people are incredibly atomized and alienated. They often feel most connected to others online. I think that the I think the profit incentives of the social media companies give them a reason to structure their product in a way that makes it more addictive, which actually encourages this kind of pile-on behavior. Uh, I also think it has more sting because most Americans work in non-unionized workplaces. So doxing has that special kind of terror uh, that it wouldn't have as much of otherwise. Uh, so so I, I think that would be like, as far as what, you know, I think of as cancel culture, again, what I think most people meant in like 2019 when they talked about it now it's been stretched so far that we just need to retire the term. But I mean, I think that's what they were talking about and not call out culture before then. And I don't think okay. it's exclusive to the left. I, I, I yeah. do. I do think though. I, I want to make sure, right. You know, cause what you're asking about latching onto a real thing that I, I definitely do think, which is that it's, a, I think it's a strategic mistake for uh, the left to, uh, to, to, into this stuff too much you know i I think that we uh that think that sort of pylons personal denunciations attempts to get people fired or deplatformed even though these are broad cultural trends that have nothing to do with the left specifically i think i think they're particularly bad when we do them for a couple reasons one of which is that i think that they sort of that kind of intersects with our own sort of homegrown pathologies, which is that the the left has been so far from power for so long that uh, it's really easy for us to to start to think of politics less in terms of a realistic attempt to change the world and more as a kind of attempt to take a symbolic moral stand against the way that the world is. 
And then when you combine that with these sort of cancely trends in the larger culture, I think you get some some really bad stuff. And and I think that when we're, I mean, maybe it was a mistake, maybe it was good, but like you know, the the reason that that example, you know, canceling comedians was was used for the title, um, even though most of the book is not even about canceling, but the reason it was used for the title is I just thought that it was obvious that it was the most sort of. A trivial example you could possibly come up with, right? Like who has less power than comedians? Uh, that they so obviously, if if you're, you know, if if you're, you know, like denouncing uh, comedy, this is like the least sort of useful thing you could do. But of course, uh, since we're living in 2021, and more people read titles and books, uh, the the uh, you know the bad part is that now you know there are going to be people walking around forever. Who think that I think that the most serious and important kind of oppression in the world is comedians getting yelled at, which is very close to the opposite <laughs> was, of the point it, I was trying to make. It was there. on timing, I'll give you that. Um, okay, one just quick thing. Your internet is really choppy. I don't know if you've got the stream open at the same time. That could help, or maybe multiple other things happening. It's just Yeah, it's, let me let me close out everything else and see if, okay. it, see if it helps. Alright. This is all right, this is the only thing open in Chrome now. Let's try all right. it. Okay. Um, I think we're talking about multiple topics, so why don't we do them in order? Because the first one that you talked about, the idea of a, let's just say, a regular person, not a celebrity, not an e-celebrity, not a large Mm -hmm. online celebrity, but just a regular everyday person, a worker, getting fired uh, for what happens to them on social media. Do you think it's fair to approach Mm -hmm. that on kind of a case-by-case basis? Like, Do you think it's ever appropriate for someone uh, and what they do outside of the workplace to affect what they do inside of a workplace? Ever, sure, but I also think that we should want to society where we tend to err on the other side and where and where it's very hard to to fire people for things that take place outside of the workplace. I mean, I'm not going to make an absolute claim here that, like, if somebody's job is they're, like, the equal opportunity enforcement officer and it turns out that they're in the Klan, you know, that that can't be held against them, you know, that the, uh, like, there are, there are definitely cases where it's relevant and... Uh, but but I'm I'm very leery of uh, I'm I'm very leery of kind of siding with uh, making it easier for for you know for HR for to uh, to okay, do so, this stuff. Absolutely. So let's take out the idea then that these are the like capitalist dynamic because we're both lefties. So say these are all worker cooperatives. So you work in a worker cooperative. You have voting mm-hmm. power in your worker co-op. Do you think it's fair if you had an employee? who frequently outside of the workplace would just espouse the most ridiculous racist stuff and were this, uh, you know, uh, Jewish conspiracy theory that consistently online and you in the workplace happen to be surrounded in a multiracial workplace in which you had blank, uh, you know, black employees, you had Jewish employees. Would you then in that workplace think it was fair to either uh, reprimand or fire them if you found that they were doing that on a regular basis? I think it depends what their job was. I but I also think that uh, probably the more important thing than like what the right like outcome is on a case by case basis is what the process is. And even in a even in a unionized workplace, it's much harder to uh, to fire people. Uh, for you know you have to do much more sort of league work to show just cause than in a non unionized workplace. And I would I would hope. You know that that in a in a future where the you know the uh, economy was just blanketed with uh, worker co-ops, that it would be even harder uh, there than in a current like unionized but capitalist workplace. That you know that it would be a little it bit closer be, yeah. to the process for like 
you know, for like removing a partner from a law firm or something, or at least, or at least a couple inches further down that like spectrum, as opposed to the way that things are right now. Yeah, for sure. So I, I could get on board with you for the idea of say old tweets, right? Firing someone for old tweets that they had before they even worked there, especially because I think people should be open to the idea of changing. So if you had old racist tweets mm-hmm. from back in the day and you said, oh, I, I definitely condemn those, then yes, there's absolutely no ground to stand on. But you just mentioned the technology that makes all of this possible, especially the technology being social media, the modern mm-hmm. version of it, right? To me, it's different than say someone going home to their family and saying, don't you hate the N-words to their family, like within private confines or whatever. No one will ever know about that. Whereas social media is similar to someone standing at a bus stop suddenly with a megaphone and suddenly saying these kind of things and then 10 people get interested and then they show up at the bus stop next week to hear the next thing they say and then they get even larger because social media can propagate what you say and amplify it kind of idea, right? So in that sense, it is different perhaps than perhaps just having the separation between the workplace and who you are as a person, like who do you represent as a person? And does that in turn then make the workplace more dangerous? Because if you were someone come into the workplace and say you were indigenous Mm -hmm. or you were a minority or you were trans or something and then you show up every day and that same person there who says i wish death upon you uh, outside of the workplace never says it in the job but says it every day when he gets out on social media Mm -hmm. is is there grounds there i'm I'm just trying i'm giving you extreme examples right because i'm trying to find like yeah yeah that is that is a very extreme example but i I think that um so again i think that what the right outcome would be in any given case depends on both how extreme you know the uh the content is right not just like i think there's a big difference between i wish death upon you and just expressing some kind of shitty or ignorant you know views uh i also i also think it matters what the person's job is right you know not all workplaces are created equal not all jobs those workplaces are uh are created equal uh, that, you know, that again, if, if somebody is in a position of managerial authority, I think that, you know, I think that the standard should be lower than if, if you're a janitor, for example. Um, and, and I think that I, I'm very, uh, again, the, you know, that it's not an absolute claim that like nobody should ever, you know, be, be fired for anything related to any of this as that I'm extremely leery of, of sort of reasons to make it easier or 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 sort of uh you know portrayed in a way that makes it you know is more sympathetic to make it easier for a couple reasons uh one is uh that i don't you know i think that uh bad people uh still have a right uh to uh um to employment uh that they that agree that that i don't i don't think that that should be you know that should be conditional uh, that, you know, that, I mean, which is not to say that nobody could ever be fired for anything, but, you know, but I, I, I think that there should be a very strong default in terms of the idea that even if you're a bad person, you have a right to employment, you know, you have a right to support yourself. Uh, and, uh, and, that, and I'm also very, uh, I'm also very skeptical of the idea of this as a strategy for reducing the amount of bigotry in, in society in, in general, right? I mean, like, certainly one thing it's definitely not going to do is, is, cause positive change in that person right i mean if, if anything it's gonna be very much the opposite uh and and you know and, and cause a lot of resentment in you know anybody even if they didn't necessarily agree with the initial comment you know who you're saying sorry public uh, shaming won't, won't cause a change in the person yeah public shaming doesn't uh and and certainly and certainly firing people doesn't i mean you know fire you know like like that's gonna be the opposite i mean that's that's gonna really hard uh you know those 
like get, you know get people to to dig in right i mean nobody's ever said well now that i've been fired i see that you're actually right all oh, along yeah. uh, I, t- I totally agree and, with you and, on the firing aspect but maybe i disagree with you on the, on the public shaming aspect but anyway sorry keep going yeah, well, well we, should, we, should, we should get into the public shaming but my, my, sure. my other reason for um my other reason for being very leery about all this is that um Especially if we're talking about, you know, I mean, I know earlier you, know, you sort of example where you said, let's assume we're talking about worker co-ops, but like, especially to the extent that we're talking about like real life arguments about things that are actually happening in capitalist workplaces, I think, uh, I think it's extremely dangerous to sort of uh, hand them that rationale that like, well, you know, social media is really different because it's, you know, because it's public and all that stuff, because, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, there there aren't, uh, you know, there aren't like widespread firings of, you know, subversives like in the MacArthur era over stuff that we're saying on social media right now is largely a function of the fact that we're not seen as a as a serious threat to anybody. Right. Like 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 you no need for a red scare if you're not actually scared of the reds. Uh, whereas whereas I think if if we did get to the point where we were actually seen as a threat to capital and, and the existing state. I think that we'd, I think that we'd see a lot more of that. And, and I don't, I, I'm, I'd be very leery about saying that like, want to water down the idea that, you know, your employer's sort of rights over you stop at the, at the workplace uh, because of social media, because, because I, I, I can very easily see that being weaponized against the left. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's let's take that example because you talked about the McCarthyite era. In that time, right, you could be fired from your workplace if they believe that you were a communist or a communist sympathizer. So it's it's a little bit similar today because I think in many ways, like you're 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 familiar, obviously, with the Overton window and that kind of idea, right? That you know, societal trends change over time. What is socially acceptable today was not socially acceptable a decade ago, kind of thing. And now we find ourselves in a situation where what is socially acceptable is also reflected by brands, right? Like Pride Month comes along every single brand has to show the pride flag to show how you know prideful they are uh we now have woke marketing and woke advertising and stuff like that but those are basically them reflecting what they think is acceptable by society and what will sell better because at the end of the day it's for a profit motive so in the similar way how they could fire people back in the day say for uh thinking that they were communist or uh, or other things beyond that right Nowadays, the same argument could be used to say perhaps they want to fire people because these people are uh, either making the workplace unsafe through the propaganda of bigotry or doing things that are completely like like 10 years ago, it would have been socially acceptable to make all kinds of offside jokes about gay uh, people at the workplace. It would have been fine. Mm -hmm. You could have done that. Right. Nowadays, if you did that, it would be like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, you can't say that kind of stuff. And then if you want to reflect that within social media, those same trends will continue. Do, Do you feel like that? draws a parallel to it i'm not quite sure what you're getting at there but but i i think that the uh i mean the the sort of point that interests me about this and what often really worries me about this is i hear leftists you know like like people like really radical leftists uh sort of saying like you know, when they're emphasizing that some sort of fired or deep platform is fine, like really emphasizing, well, it's a private corporation, uh, which which I think is a is like a right wing libertarian notion of uh, of free speech, right? That they uh, that uh, that that it's you know the only government can be a threat to a private corporation, you know, can't be a threat to it, and it's also one that sort of 
makes what we think about the McCarthy era a little confusing in retrospect, because you could say the same thing about the Hollywood blacklist, that, that those were just private companies, you know, exercising, you know, their, their, their property rights, you know, their, their rights of free association. Uh, but, you know, the traditional left view is that, you know, the, the, uh, what went on in the McCarthy era, uh, even on the private side, you know, take HUAC out of it, just the Hollywood blacklist and all of that. Yeah. Uh, was was a free speech problem in itself. Now, again, this doesn't mean you can't have conflicting values. This doesn't mean that, uh, I mean, obviously I think it's a good thing that you can't, uh, that like, you know, you, I mean, if you're like making, you know, a homophobic joke in the workplace, like in your example, that like, I think the fact that like, it's there are many more places where you can't get away with that now is is a good you know is a good thing you know i'm not absolutist about this but but i do i do really worry about leftists sort of selectively taking up these uh this kind of libertarian capitalist kind of notion of of, of freedom and using that to deflect oh this isn't a problem that's not a problem uh well, you know we, me, we, i, I don't think, that 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 way. I think i think we should have a higher standard yeah, for sure. But to me, framing it that way kind of cedes power to those corporations because it kind of gives them the ability to have what they already do, which is to become the arbiters of our speech. And I know you're someone, for example, who would be for breaking up big tech and, and things like that. But I guess in your yeah. opinion, because we don't have the power to do that yet, you feel that there is a more pressing uh, uh, argument to be made for leftists then to change their own behavior online rather than advocate for things that may be out of their power. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I'm on record as, I mean, I, I actually don't think that breaking up big tech makes that much sense, which is a little bit sideways to what we're arguing about now. But I, I, mm-hmm. I think that that's, I think that this example really kind of like kind of shows the limits of that kind of liberal trust bust in politics because, um, I don't think that breaking up can go very far here, you know, like you could, you know, you could separate Facebook and Instagram. You could even separate Facebook from Facebook Messenger. Uh, but if if all Zuckerberg was controlling was just Facebook, right, that would be a massive part of the flow of information in uh, in, in our uh, in our society. Uh, you know, so so uh, so I'm I'm very you know, or like similarly, like if the only thing that you know YouTube was unaffiliated with Google and the only thing they owned was Google, you know, that would still be a massive part of the flow of information. So. Um, so my my solution isn't breaking it up. My solution is actually nationalizing it, uh, which uh, which I've been on the record as saying, and I do think we should advocate that, right? I mean, I, I have advocated that, uh, but uh, but in fact, you know, so so maybe maybe I'm not following the reason you're bringing it up, but I mean, just to complete the thought, I mean, the, one of the reasons that I advocated actually is that I I think that having like a few, you know having like a few tech overlords uh, get to decide. You know what you can say and what you can't say is incredibly dangerous, and I think oh, that, both agree um, on that if you if you if this were public, certainly certainly in a context like the U.S., where uh, you know where we have uh, this this very strong sort of legal protection for for free speech in the public sector. I mean that's why um, you know when Ronald Reagan was governor of California, he tried to fire Angela Davis for being a member of the Communist Party. You know, the courts bounced it back and said, no, you have to come up with a different rationalization because you can't fire a public employee, you know, because of their their political affiliations. And similarly, if, you know, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube uh, were um, 
were, were publicly owned, then the First Amendment would apply to them. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you couldn't have any rules. Uh, I mean, you know, you can, you know, if there's a public comment section, you know, portion of your city council meeting, you can't, like, go up to the mic and start, like, you know, screaming swear words and, you know, racist, you know, epithets, you know, at the, at the people, right? I mean, there are, there are, it's not a completely unregulated forum, right? But it, it does mean that the rules would, um, that, you know, you'd have a higher bar for having to prove that, you know, that, that you, uh, that you were protecting free speech. And I know that like some people on the left, when I make this argument, crazy about that, because I think what they're primarily thinking about is sort of bad and dangerous and objectionable speech. Uh, and, and I, and I'm, I'm not going to deny that. I mean, I, I think there are real trade-offs here, yeah. but I'm, but I'm much more long-term, you know, because I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm an incredibly optimistic person, right? I mean, like I, I would say late capitalism, you know, because because uh, I, I want to believe it's actually late, right? You know, it's not it's not like you know still very early capitalism. Uh, so because because I'm an incredibly optimistic person, I'm less worried about bad stuff getting through than I am about uh, good stuff being uh, being censored. Which yeah, which for I sure. Think again, if. Yeah, if you go with the if you go with the premise that uh, that we're going to have uh, that it's it's possible and you know plausible that we could have a rebuilt and powerful left that's not just like a few cliques of like social media users and YouTube hosts yelling at each other you know but like you know it, it involves like the sort of mass working class organization that it would take to actually achieve our goals you know then uh, I'd, I'd start to become much more worried you know about how they're going you know about um, you know about the, uh, you know the left, uh, you know the left being censored. So I, I think there are I think there are principled reasons and also kind of pragmatic reasons to uh, to worry about that. But I'm not sure that any of this is intersected with what you're getting. Okay, at well, well, the reason I bring it up is that if you were to say, let's use your example, you want to nationalize the speech or sorry, nationalize social uh, social media companies, right? At which point, what I'm trying to get at is your prescription here, uh, rather than state something like it is of the utmost necessity for us to be able to have, uh, you know, good discourse, both in the left and in general society, for us to now nationalize social media companies, because they're the arbiters of our, our free speech and the current paradigm. And that's a bad thing. It's it's more you're coming at this from a prescriptive statement that we as leftists need to stop concentrating on this kind of an online cancel or cultural war uh topics things like that you may find i guess at times ridiculous because i guess we all have a, a level for that we all have a tolerance towards what we find like absurd mm -hmm. like you the example you keep giving is the dsa clapping one right which to me yes i i can completely agree that doesn't win people over to the left if you have to show up and you've got such a sensitive hearing problem that like you might want to wear headphones or something if you're going to an auditorium full of people who are going to clap like it's it's just something that you yourself should be aware of i, I can agree with you there but then i said the reason i think this is such a case-by-case basis rather than a broad all cancel culture must be something that is stopped or something that we realize is serious is because there are instances in which I think people and they don't have to be massive public figures we can move on to them next but they do make mm -hmm. comments that in their own way can infringe on others freedom of speech like it also silences other people to to put yourself out there and be uh, to, to espouse hate speech to, to to dox people to make things dangerous for other individuals to do threats right like I, I think there has to be some some way of saying that there there are examples where this is okay and there are examples where this is obviously absurd. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I don't disagree with that, but but sort of cycling back 
I'll first cycling back to the, the first thing you said and then and then kind of going back to the end uh you said that um i wouldn't see that as a rather than thing i i just you know i i just said both right to. i mean like like yes we uh, in addition to right you know we should advocate sort of bigger structural solutions for society but i actually think there are a lot of areas where where we're all sort of used to saying both that like both we could see that some social problem is much bigger than like what we do right our behavior but also that we think that there are certain sports of behavior that are a bad idea for us to participate in um like like i think an obvious um i mean i think i think racism itself is an obvious case like that uh or sexism or any of these others right that uh that these aren't, you know, I mean, as I hope, you know, materialists, like we've got some analysis of where these things come from. That's not just about individual choices. You know, we we, we think that there are sort of deep structural roots and that, you know, we, we can't, um, you know, we can't like, uh, you know, Robin D'Angelo our way out of, you know, racism being a problem. But also... Um, bad idea for for leftists to to say racist things right because uh both morally it's a bad idea and also it's a bad idea because it uh it divides the the working class so i i think that we can i think that we can kind of walk and chew bubblegum the same way with some of this cancel culture stuff that uh that yeah I, it, it's not just something that like comes from the individual you know it's not just a matter of a bunch of individuals making bad choices. There are these much larger problems with our society that it comes from, but also we could say it's unhealthy when the left uh, participates in some of that stuff. So, so that's so that's one thing. Um, I think but it's still it's still a case. Sorry, it's still that, a case by case basis in what they participate in in terms of their cancel culture. Uh, so, so you said. Um, Actually, sorry, I, I, I might have lost the thread. So, so you said that. Uh, you, so you said that, and there, there could uh, and be you were examples. About... In, I said that there could be examples in which I think we'd both agree uh, are ones that are they're not. They're, it's not productive for the left to engage in. And I also agree with some of the thesis in your book, where the very act of engaging in some of them, as seen by outsiders, would actually detract people from wanting to participate in the left or progressive politics because they're like, look how upset. Uh, all these people are getting online about something like this, right? So there, there are instances of this. But the reason right, I think, okay. rather than denouncing it as a whole, and why I find that problematic, is there are reason, there are times when it is justified when people's anger and and their comments directed towards a person are with utility. Okay, I got it. So, so I, I think, I think I'd probably say two things about that. One is that, uh, when, like this a lot right you say oh but don't you think there are things that people should be canceled for and sometimes with people who are not nearly as subtle as you are uh you know like, like it'll be like oh but like what if like i don't know charles manson is on twitter you know and, and you know <laughs> can you you know sure. denounce him? it's like sure right uh or or like you know harvey weinstein you know i'll, I'll like i mean yes it should be a jail you know so certainly the least you could do is denounce them i guess but uh but i think that what we're really talking about especially when we talk about you know use that sort of imperfect but evocative phrase cancel culture is uh whether people are uh, you know whether the sort of trend line is to be in too hair trigger about this stuff or not right it's it's not that there's nothing that anybody would ever, you know, it's it's like that, you know, that you should uh, that you should ever kind of, um, you know, be be harsh about. I mean, clearly there is. Uh, I and 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 I'd also say that it is interesting though, because because the way you put that, 
uh, was you said that um, there are things that people can do. And one of your examples, I certainly agree with is doxing and, you know, and, and you, but you also, you know, talks about hate speech and other things uh, are that, you know, that end up infringing on others' rights. And I, and I agree with all that, but I also think that there, there's some tension here, not necessarily with what you think, because I don't know if you think this or not, but with what I often hear from people on the left who I think are too dismissive of the whole subject, which is that, uh, oh, canceling is just criticism. That, you know, people complain about canceling. They're really just criti- complaining about being criticized, that nobody's really harmed by, so by that, any of this stuff, you know. We're so talking that, about I, okay, so I think that's that's a good way to segue into canceling celebrities then instead of just regular everyday people, because... In, well, in that, I, I mean, because whether it's, whether it's whether it's celebrities or, or, or normal people, right? I, I think that the one of my problems with that whole line of thought has always been yeah. that it, it always kind of seems like playing dumb a little bit to think that there's, you know, to, to equate sort of like savage mass pylons uh, with <laughs> criticism, right? I mean, we all, I, I think we all actually know the difference between criticizing somebody and, and, and like, you know, furiously denouncing them and saying that, you know, that, that they're a piece of shit and anybody who associates with them is a piece of shit and like the kinds of things, you know, like, like if you, like one of the, um, uh, I already mentioned the John Ronson book, like something else I find really helpful here. Uh, I know it's not an uncontroversial example, but uh, is, is the, uh, is the Natalie Wynn uh, canceling video. And, sure. uh, and, and if you think about the, the, the sorts of that sort of two minute segment of the video where she's like reading off the tweets, you know, I think the things that are being, I think that everybody knows the difference between that and criticizing, right? Sure. I, I don't think they're the same, but in fact, I think that there's some, I think that there's often some tension between willingness to see that uh, when we're talking about, you know, hate speech to say, well, this can cause real harm. This sort of view that people often have when they're talking about canceling that, uh Oh, it's just criticism, or you know, if you're whining about, you know, if you're whining about mean tweets, you just need to toughen up. Or do, how does this hurt you? You can just log off, because Absolutely. of course, every single one one of those things could be said about like harassing sexist speech online, for example. Uh, and, and I think the, I think not all of them, right? Now, obviously, there's a larger context in one case. There's not in the other, but I think that a lot of the reasons why we wouldn't accept that. In that example, I think are also reasons why we shouldn't accept it in this one. Okay, so the reason I wanted to differentiate just between, uh, you know, people with smaller accounts or just everyday people and e-celebrities or celebrities mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call them, and like I'm glad you brought this up as an example, is because people like, say, ContraPoints, for example, or, you know, and I'm a huge fan of ContraPoints, so I don't see ContraPoints as like an enemy or a problem. I'm actually just a, mm-hmm. a big fan of her work. But someone, say, like uh, conservatives or other people that we target, they have very, very large audiences. They have very large megaphones. Mm-hmm. What they say can influence thousands if not tens of thousands and in some cases like joe rogan millions of people at once so to me if just Mm -hmm. one thing that joe rogan said will have a much greater effect than say something that just a common worker who's about to get fired for saying something transphobic will say so -hmm. that is why I, i hold them to a different standard online like you and me are both online personalities. We've both had our share, I'm sure, of de- death threats, hate mail, tons and tons of people online on Twitter attacking me consistently. Anything I tweet will be, you know, p- 
polarizing to a lot of people. But that kind of mm-hmm. comes with the territory, in my opinion, because, you know, as you amass mm-hmm. a large following an audience, so too do you also have a responsibility in your messaging to those people. So if there is a mass swath of people who are like, and especially if it's coming from the left, it feels even worse, as was the case with Natalie, right? And we can talk about the Buck Angel thing afterwards. Then I think that there should be room open for people to listen, especially when there's a large amount of people who are marginalized, especially saying to you, hey, by the way, what you're saying is problematic. Here's why. Can Before we even have to do the whole, like, you're scum or shit, I, I hate you, more like, this This is a problem, and, and can can you, like, you know, change your opinion on this, for example? Like, larger creators often don't do that. Yeah, although I also think that there's um, that realistically you're uh, you're probably least likely to get hearing for that if it's if it's framed and uh, you know if if it sort of comes from in the form of of uh, of mass denunciation, uh, you know, like like saying uh, in in that case that um, you know that that somebody. Uh, you know, like like making what what seemed to be you know be be really over the top uh, you know accu- accusations there. I mean, like like I don't disagree with I think your larger point that uh, that the more sort of uh, you know the bigger somebody's megaphone is, the uh, the more it's it's like reasonable to um, that they. I don't know, maybe should accept it. Although I also think that like, I, I also think that's a bad excuse for participating in it. Right. You know, that like, you know, it's one thing to sort of say like, well, this comes with, you know, there are a lot of things that come with the territory, but you know, just cause something comes with the territory. I don't necessarily think that that means that like uh, the person who participates in it is, is off the hook. Right. You know, that, that they, that like, well, no, it, you know, it, technically everyone large, is on the hook yeah. for just participating in it collectively. Right. Each one of us is doing it in opposition. Like, are you canceling James Lindsay when you quote tweet him and then say something about how utterly absurd he is or how terrible his take is or how horrible a person he is? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, mean, I think, a- I think that, I, I mean, this is, this, this, I think goes back to what I was saying about why I think cancelate is a really, you know, I mean, like, I think the thing that points to is a real thing, but I think it's a really unfortunate term for it. Uh, cause, cause it's, cause it's so vague. Right. And, and, and like this, this whole subject of, okay, what does it mean to cancel? What, what is canceling? Uh, you know, like, like it's, it's, uh, I, I think that that's, I mean, I, I, I just find those discussions like super unhelpful because I think that, um, I think that what people are talking about when we use the term cancel culture is a certain kind of atmosphere of mutual surveillance and, and hair trigger uh, denunciation. Uh, but that, but I think like asking of individual actions, right? is this, uh, you know, does this count as canceling or not is oftentimes not really a very productive discussion because it's also, I think in terms of the effect that we're worried about, I think that like having, um, you know, having uh, the, oftentimes right i mean if like one or two people are doing something that's not legitimately not a very big deal you know and and if if ten thousand people are uh then i think realistically that's going to have a much bigger psychological effect i mean the james Lindsay example i I think is interesting uh because certainly one thing it does show is that is that you know i mean i must think that you know mockery has its place which i mean obviously i do right i mean i was on the uh you know, I did a segment on Michael Brooks show for a year and a half. So, you know, like I'm obviously not anti-mockery. Uh, but uh, but I think that, you know, I think that there's uh, that what would be 
be more objectionable uh, to to my mind, even with James Lindsay. And look, James Lindsay, it's going to take a lot for me to 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 be like upset about anything on his behalf because I actually think he, uh, I actually think he does a lot of harm, you know, in the, oh, in the larger as, world, you know. But as as do I. But then, see, that's really important what you just said there because in the other instances, you might not see the same harm that someone else is doing, and you see it as them being canceled effectively because either you're a fan of their work or you don't relate to the way in which they're being criticized do you think that's fair because to someone outside they could be seeing you doing that to james Lindsay and say wow ben burgess is effectively trying to cancel james Lindsay for his really shitty takes on crt which i agree with he has incredibly shitty takes right but we're both on the same side of that issue i'd also say that in this case right that they uh that like what we mean when we say this isn't even just um that like he, you know, he has, you know, he has bad takes and the sort of takes do harm. But I mean, the, like legitimately that the, that his sort of direct institutional role uh, does, does harm, right? That like that, that he's, he does things like testify before state legislatures to, uh, to get them to, uh, to pass uh, these authoritarian laws, uh, you know, all of which, you know, the only point I was making there, that doesn't mean that, like, there's nothing that you could do to James Lindsay that might necessarily not fall into some of these categories. You know, the, the only point I was making there is just that, like, you know, I mean, this is something I know we agree about, right, that I'm not going to feel, uh, you know, I'm not going to feel too uh, too torn up about it, right? And and, and I, I agree with your point that, uh, that, that, like, you know, a lot of times what, um, you know, who's, you know, if we're just talking about like whether you feel sorry for individuals or not, if that's the question, which I actually think is probably the least interesting question to ask. But if that is the question, whether you not feel sorry for individuals, then yeah, it's a judgment call and reasonable people who have different experiences and different um, different priorities will make different judgment calls. I agree with all that, right? Uh, but I think that the, I think that the more, interesting questions to ask are not kind of uh you know did this person you know have it coming or not which you know maybe there are certain things that i think that like nobody would right you know if you have like a thousand people you know tweeted somebody you know somebody should die or they should be raped or whatever like i i sort of don't think anybody has it coming i'm a softy that way but uh but if uh but it like more generally abstracted away from the most extreme cases if we're just asking does this person have it coming does that person have it coming sure you know we might have we might have disagreements because we're like i said we're making different judgment calls but i think the more important questions are less about sort of evaluated individual cases than about uh how are you um like that about is there a general trend here that's, that's concerning and are we acting in ways that that feed into it too much and but i, I think I that would... on the first okay yeah. sorry go ahead no, 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 you said what you're going to say. Okay, well, on that very point, I think that these things have kind of existed in society and what we've done with social media and maybe the only positive thing I'll ever say about Twitter is it's democratized the ability for people to be able to reach, like the plebs can finally 
uh, throw their dung directly at Elon Musk's face. Does it have any material effect? Does it actually uh, create change? No. But the the very idea of perhaps being upset at people calling Elon Musk space Karen, and then suddenly he sees that tweet and he responds to it, and the catharsis of being like you you asshole, right? That that to me I, I do not see is like a broader problem. Like because I, I know we keep encompassing this all as this one giant term cancel culture, right? But I feel like it's something that's being done uh, regardless. It's just we differentiate yeah, I, I, on what I, I, we I, I, consider to be the utility of various examples sure i mean like i said i mean the uh you know if if the whole issue here were about like you pick the three or four worst people in the world and if our if the discussion centers around them then i can i can see your point of view a little bit more i would point out that the vast majority of people who this stuff happens to are not elon musk or james Lindsay. uh that uh that the just because like the overwhelming, overwhelming, overwhelming majority of humans are not Elon Musk or, or James Lindsay. So it's kind of impossible for the majority of, of but, the problem to to, 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 to to affect them. So so like the only point I'm making here is just that I think we can separate is something a worrying social problem from <laughs> are we crying any tears about, you know, the half dozen worst human beings alive being victims of that problem? Because I think on the second question, we agree that the answer is no, but I think that's consistent with the answer to the first question is yes. And when people say, well, none of this is new, I mean, I think that there's a way that that's sort of true, but I, I think there's a way in which it's not, right? That the, uh, that, that the way in which it's true is, look, do you have taboos in every society? Do you have cases where people are sort of denounced or shamed in unfair ways in every society? Sure. But I don't, but, you know, that's what I said. I think that what we're really talking about here is trends. Is it the case, for whatever reason, and and I agree with you that the sort of technological change, the innovation of social media, is a big piece of the problem. I don't think it's the whole problem, but I think it's a big piece of the problem. Uh, that uh, that you know is is it the case now? Uh, you know this this stuff has a much you know a much shorter fuse essentially. Uh, that uh, and, uh, and I think I'd agree I think with you. Answer, yes, there of course. That that's just it's just the way no, the I algorithms the of the AI is, manipulate us in that way, right? Short of fuses, yeah, people I, I, are I mean, more I, prone to fighting online, kind of thing. And, and I think uh, you know, and I think that yeah, I mean, but when you talk about the algorithms and all that stuff, I mean, sometimes I mean, this might not be a spirit which you meant it, but sometimes people sort of say that in a dismissive way. That it's like, oh, that's just Twitter being Twitter or whatever. But I, mean, I think Twitter. Oh no, it's Twitter a massive problem. problem. I agree. No, no, we're we're on the exact same page there, one hundred percent. For me, I just I don't I I don't see the distinction between like in the case of say contrapoints Natalie Wynn being canceled over someone like Buck Angel. For me. As a, uh, as a cis, you know, man, not fully understanding that world, I had to do a whole bunch of research on Buck Angel first. And so to me, it was like, why are people angry at her for this? And then once I learned that Buck Angel uh, was not only a transmedicalist, but that he was also responsible responsible for outing one of, a, one of the Rutowski sisters, which is one of the most dangerous things you can do to a trans person, and continues to be a transmedicalist. Like, he still uses his 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 uh, identity as a like an icon in in the queer community as well as just like a legend who's been in this for so long to continue to push uh views that are directly harmful to the trans community i understand completely why people would be upset if you associate with him i am not a six degrees uh, cancellation person so i don't think like a now contrapoints is responsible for anything that buck angel does even if she disagrees with his takes right i think that 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 in itself is a problem but surely i mean that's could, that's what I was 
I, I was, I was going to say, I mean, I think the, I think the problem there is if, if everything you're, you know, if everything you're, you're saying is right. And I mean, I think the transmedicalist stuff is, I think the, you know, I think this, I think the, uh, I think the, he said, she said of a decades old, uh, you know, divorce, I'd be more reluctant to weigh in on, uh, if only because, uh, I, I'm probably not going to do that research, but, uh, but I think, uh, but I think that, um, but I think that the problem is that, like, I think these are good, you know, and this is where we might be sort of usefully latching on to larger issues, uh, you know, that the, you know, the sort of moralism I find counterproductive is not so much getting mad at Buck Angel. It's getting mad at Natalie because of guilt by association, because she gave Buck Angel, you know, five seconds of voice work and then, um you know, was was very willing to express her disagreement with him, but wasn't willing to like, you know, disavow him and and, and shun him, uh, and and that's and and that's where that's where I have have much more of an issue than with the getting mad at Buck Angel himself. Okay, so what about an example like uh, J.K. Rowling? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, J.K. Rowling. I mean, I think J.K. Rowling like says a lot of stupid shit. I think if you, I think if you're, um, you know, I, I I think that you know, not like J.K. Rowling, you know, makes you know, like like I, I certainly see, I certainly see, uh, you know, see where that comes from. I would question uh, in terms of in, in terms of the goal of uh, of making her views less common the sort of way in which uh the you know the you know the sort of denunciation and um you know has happened in the way it's been expressed and all that is likely to to lead to fewer people having those views or it's actually more likely to to lead to um you know or it's actually more likely to lead to a certain sort of narrative you know being being constructed by people who do have bad views on this right do, so you mentioned you feel the, this... of the conversation well, I was just going to ask, do you feel the same way when you quote tweet Jordan Peterson or again, James Lindsay as having the same effect? But, but I, mean, I mean, I don't uh, know, but I also don't think that, that when I quote tweet Jordan Peterson or James Lindsay, uh, I'm I'm saying that they're pieces of shit and they should die, right? Like, no, I don't not, think that's not at all. But, but, I, but the vast majority of the criticisms <laughs> towards J.K. Rowling from prominent fingers like myself, because I would often quote tweet her, are about the things oh. that she was directly saying and why they're harmful and why they're bad. Yeah, but, and, but, this, and, and but, this, but this is... Yeah, I mean, look, I think if all you're doing is, is like, if all you're doing is making fun of something that she said... God bless. I'm. I'm certainly not going to criticize oh, you no, for well, that. Not, to, not just making uh, it up, but pointing out why it is actively harmful. Why, like turf rhetoric, is actively harmful to you know the the trans community, for example. In the same way that I think, yeah, you call I mean, out, and but, I and yeah. I, I think properly call out Jordan Peterson or James Lindsay for their incorrect takes on things like CRT or their incorrect takes on a variety uh, of topics, right? I, I I agree with you that the two are parallel, right? Like that, okay. like what should go for one should go for, should 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 go okay. for the other. Uh, but but again, I mean, I think that the I, I I think that it's you know that sure you're right. Uh, I mean, I, I you know without having looked at the numbers or anything, like I'll just you know I'll I'll we'll take it as a given, right? That you're right about the proportions, right? That like that, that most of it's that. But I also think we need to talk about the other part because some of that stuff could be super counterproductive so like you you mentioned against the web at the beginning of the conversation mm-hmm. and uh one of the things that michael talks about it against the web is the way that um you know the way that like 
student activist at Evergreen uh, gave us all, you know, gave Brett Weinstein to the world, right? You know, that they, uh, that like we we would never have to hear from this. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, Pinker probably less so because because Pinker Pinker I think had more of a public profile from his like apolitical writing before, uh, but um, but like Brett Weinstein was like a biology professor at this like small yeah. liberal arts hippie college that nobody's ever heard of except for this controversy. Like we would never hear you know Brett Weinstein's opinions if not for the fact that student activists you know Evergreen went after him in kind of a crazy way, and similarly. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, I think that this is not an uncommon, uh, thing that happens that, that sort of, that certain kinds of ways of kind of expressing anger at these figures, uh, or, or, or sort of going after them in a way that might be emotionally satisfying or trying to get them deplatformed actually builds a lot of these people's careers. Uh, like, like what would, um, ultimately, Milo Yeen, I never know how to pronounce his last name. Milo Y, uh, oh, is, uh, that, that dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yiannopoulos, yeah. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos uh, had, um, you know, ultimately he was effectively deplatformed by the right, you know, when, when mm-hmm. CPAC and his publisher decided to drop him because they had to consent stuff. But, yep. like, that dude would never have had any sort of career if not for left attempts to deplatform him because that was, that was his entire gimmick, right? You know, I'm, I'm going to go and do that. I, I would, I would hard disagree with you there. Actually. The, 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 the dangerous F word tour, you know, that like, like if his entire, the only, the only thing that got anybody to pay attention to that guy, like there's, there's no, you know, otherwise like he's just a dime a dozen, I I, I, I totally know where you're coming from when it comes to Milo because it did seem for a long time that he was one of those people who just basically made his fame on the backs of outrage, like just an outrage fame tour. But I'm I'm just doing a documentary right now on Gamergate. He was actually heavily promoted in right circles by Steve Bannon and Steve Bannon utilized him as his Gamergate liaison for Breitbart. And then that started to thrust him into the mainstream uh, right wing ecosystem. That's when Ruben started hosting him. That's when he started going on like major news networks and stuff. That was that was before. Before his dangerous comedy tour had even taken place, he was he was being propped up by Gamergate effectively. Oh, okay, so I mean that's his origin story, but I mean like, yeah. I you're right. That, he did. He I, did, I, I did think, yeah, uh, obviously. I think that if, that. I think that if 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 if, if Ban had a long term interest in, in sort of loaded this guy, bringing him to kind of to, to prominence, right? That like, mm-hmm. like the best thing that ever happened for that plan, you know, was that could say, oh, however many people are rioting and, you know, Berkeley, you know, because he's, he's trying to, he's trying to speak. I think that's a, I think that's a huge, you know, gift to him. You know, I mean, I think that you can have, I think there are limited examples where it doesn't have this effect. Uh, but I think that's usually when it's being applied to people who don't really have a base. Right? Okay, like, so then, uh, so then, wouldn't the real like, problem so, so, be so, so, oh, sorry, so, 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 like, so, like, you know, Richard Spencer can be punched in the stream, we and and like ninety nine percent of everybody in the world just thinks it's funny, but that's because ninety nine percent of everybody in the world <laughs> hates started out, you know, hate, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but then, couldn't wouldn't you say then then the broader problem, rather than just saying as a blanket statement, it's cancel culture, um, is misdirected. Uh, perhaps movements from time to time because they're not going to be, you know, uh, they're not going to be all the same uh, that sometimes 
amplify rather than detract while not actually attacking a real system of power that's what i think you have issue is like that's what you take umbrage with ultimately right is if there is going to be a bunch of people who think that they're actually changing the world by doing something like banning ben shapiro from speaking at a college when in turn that makes ben shapiro more famous because he says i just owned and destroyed those uh you know those libs on campus and then goes to do another thing that's what is more damaging to you yeah, I, I think I think so. I mean, I think that I mean, I, I do think that there is a, a both and thing here, because I think that we can and uh, and I, I agree with you that we need to disentangle some of these threads. But I mean, I also think that independently, right, I, I think both that there's a sort of broader cultural trend here that's concerning. And I kind of tried to lay out that case a little bit earlier. But also, you're right. I mean, what I'm concerned, you know, the, the broader cultural trend, I, mean, I talk about like, you know, kind of this much in the book, and then like there's that Jacobin article, so you're still being publicly shamed. Where I, you know, I talk about that a lot more. Uh, but uh, but you're right that my main focus has been on the the second thing. You know that like because because my you know because mostly you know, what I'm concerned about is the is the left because you know because I you know because I want the left to win, right? I mean I don't you know like like so Same. if we're if we're doing things that are counterproductive or we're doing things that are like sort of eating each other alive, you know, then like, I'm concerned about that, you know, because, because I think it's bad for us. I mean, if the, uh, if the right eats itself, then I'll, you know, just like pop some popcorn and watch like, that sounds good to me. Yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, a good way to, to wrap this up is, is you were talking about Brooks book and he seemed to talk a lot about that near the end Mm -hmm. of it and that there has to be a, a broader consensus to unify the left with purpose. Um, the the only thing I can recon, reconcile is that the entire book's premise is making fun of individual bad media actors. You know, your Ben Shapiro's, your Jordan Peterson's. Like that's every chapter is a different one of them. Uh, and you know, uh, the negative. Well, well, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I hope I've made clear that I'm not against that. Like, I, I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't think that the. Uh, I, I think that the, I think that, you know, I think that, uh, I don't think it should be our only sort of tool, you know, for pushing back against these figures. That's, that's actually something I talked about a lot in the first book, but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, but I do, you know, I think something I said, I, you know, every single time, right? Like I, I, I promoted the first book, you know, I, I'm sure I said this to you when I was on the old podcast and all that, you know, like the, uh, I think, I think a line I used every single time is is look i mean i'm, I'm not uh you know i i'm i'm not de- gonna deny that mockery you know has its has its place right i mean like like i think and i think they're um i mean i th- i think we could i think we could be targeted you know i think that there's um i think that if it's sort of our our default you know as is sort of you know mockery of individuals as opposed to to the thing you know that like especially when we turn that internally you know that can get unhealthy but like yeah i mean i don't you know i mean i've I've, uh i would be um i'm certainly never going to tell anybody that they that they can't uh that they can't or shouldn't you know make fun of these figures and, and and not just because it would be incredibly hypocritical if i did that So you've just been listening to an episode of The Surf Times, and if you enjoy it and want to see The Surf Times, you can go to wearesurfs.com or watch the live shows at thesurfs.tv. And also everywhere social media is sold, basically thesurfs.tv, you'll find us there, twitter.com slash thesurfstv, for example. 
It would also help us out tremendously if you could leave a good review of this podcast if you enjoyed it, either on, I don't know, iTunes or wherever you're podcasting. Apparently it does help. And yeah, we hope to see you soon. To our gods, Xander Corvus and Peyton L. Just, we will build a ladder to heaven to deliver you the daily news. To our monarch, Tom Spiker, we are your most humble of clownish jesters. To our lords, Trevor R. and Alexander Thaler, you have our undying fealty. To our knights of the round table, Nate, that one guy, Hagbird Celine, Matthew Scarborough, Stellar Vision, Ariana McCarthy, Daniel Sutton, Ants are still running the world, Coulter Smith, Tom Grow, Val 9000, Jenna Tal, Quiet 185, Anna Loves Riley, Riley and Anna, Omni, Poodle Hawk. The Tim Caucus, Multimondi, Trevor Janis, Lemmy101, Anthropophojack, Saren42, Chronic to Hemphog, Catherine, Radical Maniac, Ramon Acosta, Incosin, Violent Orchard, Sophie Baby, Political Puppy, Andreas Cheringuito, Zach Christensen, Josh Mickelson, Todd Buckingham, and Todd Lajeunesse. We shall meet you in the tavern, and we raise a drink, and we salute you.